So how do you, you pick a song that exists already and then you have to sign the whole song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pick, you pick the song you want and then you, they'll, they'll play the music video, but you have to sign the whole thing. And is that only York or like anywhere where you go to learn ASL? They would that's, make that's you the exam. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just remember for York, like that was the big thing because like everyone talked about that exam was like, that was the cool exam was that you pick a music video and then you do sign language to it. I hope that still exists. Let's take it. <laughs> if it exists, let's take it. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Uh, it's funny, it's, it's funny we talk about that too because in the comics for Echo, uh, her big like big comic that this whole thing is sort of based on, um, as a part of her development as a child, she actually uh, excelled in music, and and you do see it in Hawkeye too, where she feels the speaker, but uh, oh. but she loved to just feel the vibrations of the instrument she would play and like try to play the music it was really cool that's wicked hey if beethoven could do it right beethoven was a musical genius and he could yeah, hear exactly, things. So right? he was probably doing the same thing feeling all the vibrations mm -hmm. and that's why we're going to do this whole podcast only in asl <laughs> first podcast in history to do I, so. I i would love the technology that kingpin had oh my god imagine right that is so cool contact lens that allows people to perceive in mixed reality uh, or sorry, augmented reality sign language. That's, that's the way to do it, man. Technology. I love it. I love it. You know, what those hands reminded me of, have you ever played uh, Zelda Skyward Sword? Yes. There was a mission in Skyward Sword and I, it was on the big sky Island where you're born. Yeah. And there was a room in like the sky Island Academy that had a ghost and it was haunted. And if you go in that room at night, the guy is like sleeping in his bed and you just see like a hand just like touching his face. And he's like, oh, I'm scared. And the hand looked exactly like the hands from Kingpin's um, uh, contact lens. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. I don't remember that. I mean, I, I don't, I loved, I did love Skyward Sword for the, the extra motion controls that you could do. Cause it had the extra, um, that expandable that that expansion piece that would allow you to do more unique movements as opposed to just mm -hmm. linear left and right and up and down yeah the wii motion plus that's the one that's Wii a, motion plus uh, oh, great console so underrated oh my god i still remember when you were like prepping for it you and izzy our friend izzy and you guys were so excited for the wii to come out and you were just like i think you you got yourself like a place in line and like a ticket to go buy it on like day one or something. I could be imagining that wrong. No, no, that was, well, that wasn't my end. It could have been Izzy's end, but, uh, but for me, what happened was I had an, I had a, what was formerly known as EB games at the time. I had one within walking distance and I would call them so feverishly every <laughs> single day. I felt bad too. And, and you know, it's funny. They, they told me down the road, they're like, yeah, you, don't feel bad. Like people, people call this every minute. You call this like, you know, twice a day. Like it's, it's not a, it's not as bad. Right. But I called them every day and I would call them a different accent. So they wouldn't recognize that was me doing it. So I tried like a British accent and then I tried like a, a high pitched nerdy accent. But I tried to keep it as like, so like no one could figure out as me not realizing that they had color display the whole time. <laughs> Uh, but the day they had it, the day they had it, I'll never forget it. I was, I was working a couple part-time jobs at the time. 
Uh, and I literally like, like hustled like Captain America, just like down the street. And if you knew where I lived, I lived like near a ghost station. So there was this long stretch of road and you could just see me just like, <laughs> and I, I got there and, and they said they wouldn't put it on hold for you or anything. Like if you got there, it was first come first serve. Thankfully, yeah. when I got there, there was like two left and I was like, oh, thank God. And so I got it. How, why am I only hearing the story about the different accents on the phone now when I've known you all these years? Can I hear what your British thing was? Like when you called, tell me exactly what you said on the phone. I'll be the EB employee. Hello, I am an EB employee. Thank you for calling my store. How may I help you? I'd be like, uh, oh man, I'm going to butcher I'm going to butcher it because I'm on the spot right now. I'm never good being on the spot. But I was like, hello, uh, do you guys have a um, Nintendo Wii available in your store? And they, <laughs> they'd be like, yes, Michael Caine, we do. <laughs> I'm not Michael Caine, but I would love to have a Nintendo Wii. I would. Well, that's that's incredible. <laughs> Michael Caine probably called them too. Hey. I heard there was Mario Galaxy available. <laughs> Wanted to get first dips before Ryan got it all himself. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the accent I decided to go with uh, as one of them. Then the other one was like, "Hello, can I get like, do you guys have like a Nintendo Wii in your play?" <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you had to experience that. I'm not. I'm I I'm glad it is now preserved on the internet. It exists. And everybody is going to be listening to that till the end of time. I love that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Welcome to Michael Caine Rewatch, <laughs> everybody. Yeah. I'm Andrew Fantasia. What's up, everybody? I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. Today, uh, we are excited. I, I actually am excited to talk about this because um, although there, I have, I have some opinions on the show. Mm -hmm. I do think there is some merit to be introduced to the new way of how they're presenting content with the show. This is something different. This is, and it kind of already kicks it off in terms of us just diving right in. So this is the first we've ever seen of a Marvel spotlight. Yes. This is a true Marvel spotlight. And personally, I kind of like it. I kind of like what they were trying to do. And, and I perfectly, I think this is the modern way of doing an origin story because it's a great snapshot by not only and it's it's what we talked about exactly on the last episode with the what ifs is like all you need to do now for an origin story is like echo echo's story is already started it's already there and all they do is quick flashbacks and they just they give you quick references and that's it. It's it's exactly like the Spider-Man formula where it's like, I got bitten right right back to Spider, my uncle died. Moving on. Like it's just like you know the story. And like with Echo, the smart thing is is we don't know the story, but they literally give you enough ammunition to understand exactly how the story works. And I I loved it. I, I will say I the the I would say that to start, but what I will also say is, man, did they kick it off hardcore with the first episode. The first episode, I even, I, I texted, I texted my boy here, Fantasia, and I was like, I was like, oh my God, first episode is amazing. And I stand by that. Like the first, 
the first episode in uh, uh, Aquila, I, I love her as that character. I think she is a great performer. I think she has great on-screen presence. You cannot, that's something you can't teach. Like the second the camera is on her, you are focused. Like you are 100% interested in what she has to do and how she's going to do it. Um, and yeah, that first episode kicks it off. But this is definitely a very unique way to, to introduce a character and give them their own content. I think that is brilliant. I'm so curious now about these Marvel spotlight things because I want to mm -hmm. know, I mean, they, they wouldn't create that name, that label, yeah. if they didn't plan on doing at least one or two more of these. Uh, and I want to know, you know, what their thought process is where in terms of what shows are Marvel spotlight and what shows aren't. Uh, is it just a mature audiences thing? Because, I mean, we'll get into it more later, but this didn't end up being as mature audience as I think they've made it out to be right um but yes and no there's there's definitely moments where i'm like wow they they went there they did it <laughs> there is there's some dark stuff in here but definitely not anything to be like ooh, you know tell the kids not to watch um i wouldn't be surprised though ryan if marvel spotlight replaces the uh, what did they even call them? The one-shot things, the the like the Guardians holiday special. What was that thing called? What the oh, uh, they're not one-shots. They're a, special. A, yeah, special presentation. Special presentation. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this replaces that because it's something that is, at least just from an Echo standpoint, slightly less popular than what the Disney Plus shows are giving us in terms of like a character, right? Uh, like, and then on top of that, it's so short and it drops all in one time. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, I, as I've been rewatching the shows and I haven't done this to all of them yet, uh, but I've been timing them and I've been timing like, okay, from the moment the Marvel logo opens, how much, you know, if I put all the episodes together, what is the runtime of like WandaVision? And it's, you know, whatever, four hours and 53 minutes or what, whatever that is. And Echo was, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's going to be the shortest one. And not just because it was only five episodes, but like those episodes were like 22 minutes, 29 minutes, 31 minutes. Like they really just breezed through, especially in the middle. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what becomes of the special presentation. If instead of a, you know, 45 minute thing, they'll put a little bit more into it and give mm -hmm. us a handful of episodes that are on the shorter side. And I'm not sure if I love that yet because I'm just a movie guy at heart. And I'm like, if your thing is going to equal out to be like three, three and a half hours of runtime, just make a movie, man. Just make yeah. it. Just, what do you, just make it. Just put this, make it. What's wrong? What are you waiting for? It just... <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I, you know, I, I agree. I agree that it's like, you know, I, I, this could have been a movie, honestly, you could have yes. transformed it into a movie. It's, it's, it's just long enough that you could have, you could have taken out one or two scenes here and there that kind of weren't necessary, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was perfect in the sense of like, yeah, it, it legit, it, it legit could have been a movie for someone that loves movies. Yeah, and, mm. and it's 
it just kind of further serves the whole thing where these the companies that have streaming platforms are just desperate to put stuff on their streaming platforms to justify their existence. Mm-hmm. And when you get things like this that feel so short, that's where you really start to see that. So we really start to see, ooh, mm-hmm. this was just put here because they wanted it to be put here, not because <laughs> it was made to be put here, right? Like it's, but yeah. but regardless, um, Alakwa Cox is awesome. Yeah, she oh is, yeah, she's she's an amazing character. But like you know, she's like one of those castings that just merges right into the world and feels like she belongs there. You know what I mean? There are sometimes with casting where I'm like, okay, like they had to kind of make put some work into it to make them kind of fit in. But she just like just fits. She just like goes right in. Oh my god! I I want to be a fly on the wall in that audition room. Like I can just imagine them sitting there with their papers, and they're like, yeah. "Okay, we need to cast an indigenous young woman who is also deaf and who can do physical superhero stuff." And then in walks Alakwa Cox, an indigenous young actor who is also deaf and can do superhero stuff and is a very talented actor to boot. And I'm just like, did they even see anybody else after her? And yeah. I didn't read any of the comics. I didn't know anything about the character. I assumed the character also was missing a leg. I didn't realize till after I looked it up. And I'm like, oh, no, that's just Alakwa Cox is actually missing a leg. And, and they just worked that in. But I thought, like, what are the odds that also on top of being an indigenous deaf actor, she was also missing a leg like the character? And I'm like, did she just walk off the comic page like this yeah. is <laughs> the biggest coincidence in the world but still like they i i can't imagine they high they looked at any other talent after alakwa left the room right i i feel like i feel like they knew like yeah you're right like once they found her they're like yeah we do we, we just need to stop right here there's there's no point in wasting any more time anyone anyone else's time and and not only that um you know, one thing I have to give uh, uh, Aquila credit is like just the physicality, man. Like all, every fight scene, I was on the edge of my seat, just like watching this woman tear these people apart. Like and like, oh my god! Like I, and that, if it's one one of the best takeaways I can take away from this show, is any action sequence with with Echo is like just yes, just yes. I I hope. I hope they keep that fight choreographer for like every single Marvel project going forward. Mm. It's just so good. But yeah, what I think once they found out, um, you know, once they just found her, yeah, they just stopped for sure. And like, just, it was just amazing to watch. Like she's even, and, and what's unique about it is again, just like finding the, finding such a, such an interesting Marvel character and giving them the spotlight. Exactly. I could. I could, I didn't even plan for it. Uh, it just. It just did. I just sure did. Sure, you did. And I knew you were working for them this whole time. <laughs> uh, no, it's 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 really it's really something awesome. So so first of all, Marvel Spotlight. So this show is 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 really making um is really making a lot of conversations in a lot of unique ways. First of all, yes, this unique structure. Now, like I said, I agree with you that it could have, you know, that you're maybe a movie fan and this is a good way to go. But, you know, if you look at Daredevil and how Daredevil came into the uh, extended world scene, um, and personally, I think what you need to do with these Marvel spotlights is just that. Don't 
I one thing I'm kind of not really excited as a fan or kind of like not interested in is just season one, season two, season three, season four. I don't need that. I anything yeah. that, like unlike you who likes numbers and movies, I don't. I don't like numbers <laughs> and movies. Um, and I think with these Marvel shows, it's just that. Like once you've introduced the character, don't give me a season two. Give me something else that the character needs to be involved in. Um, and and so like She Hulk season two. Don't give me a She-Hulk season two. Give me like uh, some, I don't know, some like Red Hulk or like, like imagine a Red Hulk series and it involves all the Hulks we've seen thus far and then introducing their stories right? or like expanding on their stories, bringing everyone together, right? Yes, um, I agree. That's perfect. That's yeah, a perfect and, place to put She-Hulk now. Exactly, right? So, so it's not like a She-Hulk season two and we need to learn what her Tuesdays are like. I don't care. Like- <laughs> You know, I've seen pretty much every day of her week in season one, and I get it. I I understand the challenges of the character. I I like that's the thing. Like She Hulk, I love the character. I I the story wasn't gracefully or like it wasn't graceful or perfect, but like if you take the first two episodes out of She Hulk and and literally just look at those two episodes. That is like that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe She-Hulk. It's it's a perfect story, and I and again I think the problem was it was too many episodes. And what I like about Spotlight is it's like like look like give it a like what we call a mini series. Tell me everything you need to know about the character in this show, and and then we've established that character. Now let's focus on an event that needs to that 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 character may need to continue continue on in that. So that's this is why I like the spotlights. Now stage two of this is the second thing that this show has done, which is which is something that I just learned recently from a lot of opinions uh, opinion reviews that I've watched about Echo. Um, is that is that now they've solidified the Defenders universe in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that is something, from my understanding, there's there's a journey that's happened here leading up to Echo. And Echo is a very specific thing that, um, that has changed uh, something going on in the back end of Marvel. So Echo uh, is kind of what they're doing is they're saying like, okay, you guys love the fans love the Daredevil Netflix series. You know, Defenders overall may not be great, but the fans still love certain parts of it, like Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. There's moments, but overall, Iron Fist is probably the the weakest of them all in terms of like fans loving them. Yeah. Um, but Luke Cage season one, people loved it. Jessica Jones season one, people loved it. Um, Daredevil, all three seasons are well represented as like the strongest. Uh, but what's what's happened now is now they're saying like, boom, this is like you, this is their origin stories in the Netflix series. So now it's all about events that can involve all their characters in the MCU, which has caused an interesting thing about Daredevil's Born Again. So Daredevil's Born Again originally had a plan and. Um, because of the aggressive nature of Marvel's schedule, they're actually, because they're dialing back now, this is, Kevin Feige has actually had breathing room to actually watch the shows and be mm -hmm. able to say like, look, this is not what I was hoping for. I want something, I wanted something more of this, which is why Daredevil has now been reshot for like the third time. 
because originally they were going to kill off Foggy and uh, Karen Page. They were going to blip, come back, die, and then Daredevil would have a conflict with Kingpin all over again. And that's why it was kind of like a born again story. So Kevin Feige was like, this is not what I, this is not what I want with these characters. And so, so this move by saying with Echo, like, hey, the Netflix series is now MCU. This is canon. Uh, this is this is kind of like a gift moment from from Feige to the fans, saying like, you, here's what you want. You wanted this. I'm going to give it to you. And so now with Echo, this is where the point of interesting things happen now. Is because we got we got your boy Big Willie in the show here doing his thing, and it's interesting because they literally kind of and again continued that off into the show. So that's the second thing is that now the defenders are in the MCU and now Echo is kind of leading that world into the MCU, which was really cool. That was a long winded part, but I felt like it was necessary. It's okay. There was a lot of wind there that I needed to know because I didn't grasp that from the show. I didn't grasp that they are making all of the defenders shows. At At first it wasn't confirmed. Now it's been confirmed. When going into the show, it was just uh-huh. Daredevil. After, like, during the show's release, they confirmed the whole thing. Like, they did, uh, somebody spoke to the press, like, someone from Marvel. What did they say? They just said, oh, it's all canon. Yeah, it's all it's all canon now. I think okay. it was Feige. Feige confirmed that, that all the Defenders are canon. Interesting. And, okay. and if you look at Disney Plus now, and you scroll down through, like, the timeline order and, like, this saga, this saga, or whatever... If you go down, there's the Defender Saga, Echo's the first one, and then it's Daredevil, da 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 Echo's the first one. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So with Daredevil, and now I don't know if this has changed because the show has changed so much, but mm-hmm. the original Daredevil show was going to be, what, 12 episodes? Something crazy? Like a lot? Yeah, it was, it was going to be like 12. Oh, no, it was, it was much more than that. It was like 18 episodes. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Um, so... That to me says that maybe that show also has defenders in it because I can't imagine them saying right now, the next show to hit Disney Plus is Iron Fist Returns and people going, yay, right? So, (laughs) So, I mean, if you're going to use them, do what you just said, Ryan, like don't make Iron Fist season three just put the next chapter of Iron Fist's story inside Daredevil's story because they got to go together for whatever reason. Yeah, and and here's the thing, too, is like, you know, Iron Fist's story, you know, to say what you will about certain scenes and, like, certain delivery of certain lines, but, like, the story is there. Like, you look at the presentation of it all, that, like, Iron Fist is there, like, the character. So now it's time to kind of, like, maybe, you know, again, yes, create an event that involves Iron Fist's or, or oh man, I would love a heroes for hire kind of moment. I uh, just, just you got the origin stories out of the way. Just have Luke Cage and Iron Fist in a scene, just being all like, you know, hey, you want us to help? You got to pay for us, you know, kind of thing. Uh-huh. I would love that so much. Um, there's a great scene uh, or a great episode in Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and it was called "To Steal an Ant Man," and it kicks right. off with 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 Iron Fist. And Luke Cage, and it's like Iron Fist is like, would you believe it? The Avengers hired Power Man and Iron Fist, and then Luke Cage is like, yo, man, don't call me that. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's such a perfect moment. But um, yeah, like, 
at this point is we don't at this point we don't need a story told again about these characters mm-hmm. we need them to be just better that's that's all right. we need at this point is like you're gonna bring in luke cage awesome don't try to re- reshape his story make him better and bring him in like just bring him in like and we'll we'll just see how that unfolds from there because at this point you know whatever like we we know the story. I personally liked Luke Cage season two. I know there's kind of a lot of people that are like, eh, but whatever. Like, and that's and that's the perfect part is like, you know, let the, let the casting be the casting. Like, we have uh, Mahershala, who is now Blade, but he's now played two characters in the MCU because he was Cottonmouth before in Luke right. Cage, right? Um, and a quick side note as well with these stories is they've already been added to the overarching timeline of the of the MCU. So Daredevil takes place after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, oh. And then Jessica Jones follows Daredevil and then kicks off Age of Ultron. After Age of Ultron is the first... Or sorry, after Ant-Man is um, Luke Cage and then Iron Fist. And then the defenders take place before Civil War. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Those those shows feel like so long ago. I remember really, really liking Iron Fist season two, but mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you anything that happens in it right now. Like I cannot. <laughs> it's been completely wiped from my memory. I can. Uh, I can tell you. you. You won't like it. You won't like it. But I can tell you exactly what happened in season two. It, they introduced a wicked character, which I'd love to see now, and she loves to hang out with Kingpin, which is typhoid. oh, Typhoid Mary, Typhoid Mary. That's right, Typhoid Mary. Okay, um, yeah, those shows, all even some of the Daredevil seasons. Like the thing, the problem I had with those shows is they felt like they overstayed their welcome. Uh, they were with you know, Daredevil shows. I'm a little insulted by that statement, <laughs> but that's fine. They, yeah, they they had so many beautiful moments, and then they would all get to this point where I'm like, "Wow, there's still four more of these, huh?" <laughs> okay, right. Um, I I like the happy medium we found with like shows like Hawkeye or The Mandalorian. Like, I think mm-hmm. if you're gonna make a streaming show, that's a perfect length for it. But speaking of canon of the Marvel universe now, Ryan, I can't wait, and maybe we we'll never will hear more about it which i guess is fine but i would love to learn more about what's the deal with these clay people who came out of the the cave a thousand years ago and now they have these powers and everybody has spiral stigmata and i i love it i want to know what that's all about yeah this was a new angle for echo uh actually this is not this is not this is not comic this was new kind of story arc approach um, I have a feeling that that was a collaboration effort with the, um, with the natives, uh, with the native nation there that they brought in to help with the production of the show that maybe they did some creative consulting and, and provided this kind of unique power, but I love it too. I think it was such a unique element to the story that, that felt like a new kind of modern telling of a, of a superhero origin story that we need it like you know it and it kind of gives it you know it really kind of brings creative power to this character that comes from an actual true source right and that's huge like to have that to have them be able to create a narrative like that and give that character strength i 
I, I loved it. And I loved how it was seeded into the show. It did. They didn't just over explain it right out of the gate. They didn't try to like, like shove it down like your throat kind of thing. It was like, this character comes from a, of an, of this character comes from an amazing culture and we want to tell that story. And what I love about it too, is, is that uh, the symbolism of, of the ancestors and how, uh, how, uh, how the indigenous and the natives look at, like, look at, look at ancestry and how it channels through you kind of thing. I love that. I love yes. that story. Oh, it's fantastic. And you're right. It's told with such simple elegance. Like there's, there's a, like a, a mythology that goes into it. Yes. When you Good watch it, words. you yeah. feel like you're just watching, you know, their people's mythology, but it never feels out of place because what is superhero fiction, but mythology kind of made flesh in the modern world. I mean, hell, look at the Thor pocket of Marvel. That's all just Norse mythology, right? So yeah. it, it does not feel out of place whatsoever for them to be like, here's some native mythology. And it exists, really exists in the MCU world. Mm -hmm. And you don't even blink. You're like, yeah, cool. And then you have these like golem people and they, they break at first I thought, like, are we seeing nude people? Is that why this is Marvel Spotlight? Is that why they didn't want to get stuff? Like, is everybody naked? But no, they were all just made out of clay. Um, and then they they kind of free themselves from this cave and pop out. And I really felt like like that is another great addition to the whole Marvel idea of remember those stories you heard about, you know, the the god Khonshu from ancient Egypt? Well, he's real and he's doing this over here. It, it was just totally a natural fit. Yes. Uh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful stuff. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful way to start. It, you know, and the other thing too, it was the beautiful way to start the story with mystery. That's mm -hmm. what I, that's what I loved about it. Cause it kind of, it kind of started with this kind of like, Oh, like it, you know what I mean? Like it just pulls you in and then they kick off the story of echo. And it was so, Oh my God. I loved every, just every second of it. And then we get the, in my opinion, like he is the seminal indigenous actor. He's the man. We get Graham Greene. Yeah. Showing up as, as uh, Echo's um, grandfather there. Mm -hmm. And man, I love that dude so much. And I've never seen him play a role where he just, like in this particular show, he looks like he's just having a blast. Like he's having a good time. Usually oh. all, all the roles I've seen him in, he's been very serious. He's been like downplayed. Like mm -hmm. in the Green Mile, he's on death row. So it's like, it's not a happy movie, whatever. But in this one, he's just, it's the first time I've seen him just get to cut loose. And man, the guy's funny. He's got comedy chops. And when he's leaving the, the little uh, bonfire at their house at the beginning, he's listening to Patsy Cline on his radio. So you know he's cool because Patsy Cline is yeah. like where country music peaked, in my opinion honestly yeah you know it's a really good point too it just seems like he had such a good such a good time i mean i've seen him uh in more uh, uh in more unique shows like similar to echo where it's more uh high fantasy or science fiction with because he was i had an episode in captain power and the soldiers of the future and uh he plays a fun he plays a fun kind of mercenary kind of character in that which is really cool Ooh. shout outs to another canadian show captain power 
It was an American Canadian show, but it, it's it was Canadian show. I have never watched this show. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I think I may have showed you the intro, but if you ever want to see an intro that will literally inform you exactly what the show is all about, but literally kick your ass at the same time, it is that show. <laughs> is it a cartoon? No, no, it's it's like it's it's kind of the same kind of production as like Power Rangers, except except it's instead of switching over to like a Japanese production and, and cutting to that, it's all the same production. And uh, yeah, just watch that intro. It will literally kick the sock like it will take your socks right off. Just like it's, it's so intense. It is the most intense show I have ever seen. It only they only made one season because it was such a high production, yeah. but it is so good. And it got mixed up because the toys used to engage or they would, the toys were supposed to engage with the show. So if you buy a ship, um, uh, the Captain Power ship, you could shoot at the TV screen and it, it, it would show lasers hitting characters. Oh it was such God. a crazy concept, but it didn't work. It, 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 it didn't work, but it was the, the idea that yeah. it did it brought all these kids in to buy the toys and try to shoot at the screen while the, all these like troopers were out there oh it's so good oh it's such a good show i miss the 90s so much i know <laughs> oh dude it's it's the epitomes of the 90s and i'll tell you what too and you'll love this you'll appreciate this one more thing about the show that before we get back to echo here um is that uh the the other thing about the show is is that uh the guy who voiced magneto in x-men is the villain what? He plays a villain named Lord Dread, and it is so good. <laughs> what are we still doing here? Yeah, I know, right? Oh man, maybe we should start a new show and just like it be like be our own like YTV VJs and just talk about all these unique shows that we've seen over the years that you need to watch today. Well, I've been because uh, I think I, I mentioned to you that I, for the first time in my life, I started watching Boy Meets World because I had never seen it. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. that's a good show, too. Because it's on Disney+. Plus. So I was like, let me see. I've been hearing about the show all my life, and I've never seen it, so I started watching it, and I love it. Uh, I've not done it yet, but I discovered that three of the main cast members, uh, Topanga, Eric, and Sean, they have a podcast together now. Like, they're making it as we speak in the modern day, where they're going back and re-watching it almost for the first time and being like, oh, my God, we were so cringe, blah, 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 and kind of going through what it's all about. And they have a lot of guest stars on, mostly people from the show, but a lot of the guest stars, dude, they're so like, it's such a nineties time capsule because they'll bring on like, Hey, it's the girl from Halloween four. Hey, it's the guy, the kid from home improvement. Like it is literally like they're getting all their nineties child actor pals together and just mm. making this nostalgic little trip. Talk uh, about a show though, that hits you with emotional development. Oh my God. Like the, the, how they tackle emotions in that show. I'm still on season four. Unrivaled. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Boy Meets World is the coolest thing since the the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Yes, no. that one. For viewers, for viewers and for my co-host, if you have not seen the intro at least, you need to do yourself justice and watch the intro for that show. One more character I will tell you about from this show. He's the ground unit. I can't remember. His, oh, his name's Tank. Um, he is, he's Arnold's best friend in stunt double and he plays, he plays a pretty boss character. Like he's a fun guy to watch. This should have been the number one show of all time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, actually, when we went to school, this is the last, okay, last cool fact about the show. Um, so when we went to film school together, we had a film history class uh, with Martin Logger, I believe his name was. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Martin I forgot Logger. about him. Yeah. He had a really beautiful, like, slick back hair look, gray hair. Yes. Handsome fox dude. Kind of thing going, very, very smooth voice. Mm -hmm. um, fun fact, though. He is, I think he mentioned he was friends with the guy who was the one of the main characters in the show uh, because he was talking about how it was a Canadian production. And the, and the character is, I think the actor's name is Peter Mayhew, Matt Mayhew or something That's like that. That's Chewbacca. It can't be that. No, no, no. Sorry. Okay. It was, yeah. it was, um, I'll look it up later. But anyways, uh, uh, his, the character's name is Hawk Masterson. And the actor who plays him is our teacher was friends with him. And that's what got me excited because he mentioned that he was friends with the guy. And I was like, because <gasps> I knew it was Hawk Masterson, the ace pilot in the sky. Oh, my God. I was so excited. I'm sad that that's the last fun fact you have for me about that. I think every five minutes you should interrupt me with a new fun fact. Fun about fact Captain is that uh, we were two degrees separation from an incredible sci-fi show that was made in Canada. And that our teacher, uh, our voice acting teacher, was the American voice of Melvin in Sailor Moon, which I yes. still mention to this day to Same. many, many a people. They're all like, oh, I love Sailor Moon. I'm like, well, did you know? Yeah. <laughs> By knowing me, you now affiliate yourself with someone who knows Melvin. <laughs> I, I try to use it as a flex for my students, especially because one of my classes is a voiceover class. Oh, and if, if anybody even breathes a word about Sailor Moon in mm -hmm. the slightest positive way, I'm like, well, you know, one of the actors trained me. So I'm just, let me just. <laughs> and, and, and not only did he train us, he took us to the studio where they dubbed it. That's right. I forgot he did that. And there was a big Caillou poster in that studio. I remember. They had, and they had the Sailor Moon poster with all the autographs of the, yes. uh, oh, I wish I took a picture of that studio. Oh my God! I don't we think we had smartphones harder. back then. We we didn't uh, have picture taking capabilities. As oh, people. right, yeah, technology. You and I are olds. We're part oh, of the olds man, now. Yeah, that takes me back. I think we were still in flip phone stages. Yes, time. yes, so, we did because you had the slidey phone. You I had did. the slidey phone with the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. and it was a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have good memory for for random facts like that. But anyway, speaking of random facts, let's get back to Echo. So. It's very telling, uh, and they even call attention to it later, but I, like I made a note in episode one, I'm like, it's so telling that Kingpin never bothers to learn ASL, right? Every time he's got Echo with him, he's got that lady interpreting, and I'm like, what a great way of just plain and simple showing the audience what kind of person he is mm -hmm. compared to everybody else, right? Like, he's like, I'm there for you. I'm your uncle. I love you. You mean the world to me. But meanwhile, it's this lady behind him that he's paying whatever, $100 an hour to say those things. And it just, it sums it up, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So so let's just get into the momentum of the show because you're right. Like, like Kingpin's relationship with Echo is, is the center of the show. That is literally where we take off because you have to understand we're coming from Hawkeye. And this mm -hmm. show did not waste any time explaining too much origin story and and focusing on what just happened and where is this going and the first episode kind of kicks off of the relationship and it is kind of a beautiful passing of the torch from hawkeye is that we know echo was like adopted by kingpin essentially 
And then in the first episode, they're like, okay, yes, yeah, she's like the she's like this boss woman who can like beat the snot out of people. And then we get right into um, you know, him, yeah, raising her essentially. And uh yeah, so yeah, you know, and if you look at all the characters in Echo's life, the, all her family members and stuff, they all learn sign language, so they could all communicate with her. Like her cousin knows it, her, you know, her um sister technically, well technically technically sister technically cousin uh knows it uh her grandma knows it her dad knows it her mom knows it like it's there's so many people in her life that know it her her uncle knows it that owns that awesome roller skate shop um so it's so yeah and then kingpin claims he's like the most loving one and he's the only one who doesn't which is interesting like he knows like little things um but he didn't like really get into it so that's that's the big one now what I love is the passing of the torch thing is like literally is like, okay, if you haven't seen Hawkeye, then you get introduced to like certain scenes where they left off. And it was funny because Isabella and I had that moment of like, oh yeah, like, are, are we sure we're watching like the right episode here? Cause like, it felt like almost like a recap. Um, mm-hmm. But then they give you a little extra few minutes of what happened, like the next second of that scene that we got from Hawkeye kind of thing. Yeah, that was very cool. I was mm-hmm. not expecting that. But that's how that's how you do it. That's how you do an origin story, right? Like it's like it's like okay, you saw this. Here's a little extra thing you didn't know, and then moving on. Now the big thing from the first episode that I like is like obviously like you know is like he uh, Kingpin's like okay, you're finally ready now to do to be a part of what I do and how I do it. And one thing I felt they didn't do enough justice to Kingpin, and they do it a little bit in Daredevil. But one of my favorite lines from the Spider-Man cartoon was Norman Osborn looks at Kingpin and it was a scene where he asked him to build the spider slayers to destroy Spider-Man. And he's like, okay, here's the deal. If you, you get Spider-Man or I get your company. And then Osborn looks at him and he goes, so it's either I deliver, you know, I just realized something. It's either I deliver you Spider-Man or you get Oscorp. Either way, you win, right? And he's like, that's why I'm the kingpin. Mm-hmm. And in this show, there doesn't seem to be moments where he has a true, like, win-win for him either way. And I feel like they need to take that to the next level. And and this is where I kind of feel like Echo could have been that, is that, like, instead of the the final conflict that we saw, I would love to see her finally get the one up on Kingpin that no one else could. Like, you know what I mean? Like Daredevil has that moment at the end of Daredevil. He like literally just that ending did her dirty. <laughs> yeah, the ending was not as great as Bella cameo moment here, MC. The first four minute, the first four episodes, even you know what? The first four and a half episodes. Yeah. I highly enjoyed. That was no. Yeah. No. Yeah, there you go. That's that's our episode today, people. Isabella <laughs> just summed it up perfectly for me. That is exactly how. Too badass of a character. It was too. Yeah, I mean that's all I need to say. They're I mean, putting like... that quote on the Disney Plus homepage <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> he said he's putting that quote in this. <laughs> just. It was just there was so much effort. It was such a beautiful story. There was such a touch of detail. So many things, and then that's how they ended. Like, oh. This is why you need to cameo every episode and have like your summary review because your Iron Man 2 one still is today oh, yeah. the best summary <laughs> with censor. I want my board. 
Isabella say, really is the Stan Lee of our podcast. She is the Stan Lee of our show. <laughs> Any, but going back to it, the first episode kicks it off so strong. And But this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about with the MCU. The first episode, when she's all taking out all the goons and everything and doing like what Echo does best is... And like she like takes them all out and she's finally getting the hang of it. Like, oh yeah, I'm here to kill people because like, you know, I need to channel my anger kind of thing. And who walks in? And spoiler for a moment if you haven't watched it, but I feel like, again, Marvel fans, if you're going to watch it, you should have watched it by now. You kick down the door and it's freaking Daredevil. Daredevil interrupts the fight. And that <laughs> is how you do it. That is how Marvel should be right now every single episode. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It should feel like a wrestling match at this point. You get one match and you're like, oh man, look at them take out all these goons. Then you level up the fight by cameoing in another character and like just jumping right into the fight scene. There, there doesn't need to be like a dialogue moment. No. These characters are all action all the time. So for her to have this crazy fight scene and then Daredevil just do his thing to fly in, you're like, oh my God, like, oh man, it is the best. It is so good. That fight scene is so amazing. I would love to break it down. I'd love to do like the variety where the director like has a pen and like scribbles in moment. Like that's, that's how you do fight scenes in Marvel nowadays, people. You don't just have this goon fight. We know goon fights. We love goon fights. But if you're <laughs> going to do a goon fight, you need to spice it up, throw other characters in. That's why She-Hulk, if you didn't put in Daredevil in there in the first place, the surprise would have been that much better if you just freaking dropped in. And you have this moment of like, what the hell? And especially too, if you had Matt Murdock in the first scene and you didn't show him the trailer and he comes in, does his court thing and she hulks fighting goons later and then he appears. That's how you do it. That is how you do a superhero fight scene, people. That is how you do an episode on, on these Disney Plus series. You should have characters coming in left and right, front and center. Why wasn't Moon Knight fighting vampires, like weird vampires and then having Blade jump in? Like, we should be well into that kind of stuff by now. <laughs> yeah, I actually, to my benefit, I totally forgot that Daredevil was supposed to be in this show. Completely forgot about it. So when he crashed in, it was mega surprise. I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. It, it was just, in you know, just melatonin. Is that the right thing? What's the thing that's like pleasure? Is that oh, melatonin? dopamine. Dopamine. Thank you. I don't know where I'm going. Melatonin uh, no, is the thing that helps you sleep. That's it. That's the thing I don't have. <laughs> but dopamine, I have plenty. Yeah, that's what it was. It was just dopamine. Uh, and but most importantly, that's the way you do it because he showed up, he got a pop, he made us happy, but he didn't overshadow Echo because it's her show. Yeah. He, he came in and had his moment with her, and then he boogied, and that's it. And, it, and it's not like she spent the rest of the show being like, who was that intriguing stranger? No, she's got her own stuff, right? So it's for us, but it doesn't overshadow Maya because if it did, it would do a disservice to the show. And I like, I think that's, that's beautiful. That's a picture-perfect way to throw in a cameo. It felt like in the Maximum Carnage game when you press the button to make like another yeah, hero come in and help you. Yeah. Right? It's exactly what it felt like. But there was a story to it, too, because when he came in, he's like, do you know how long I've been stalking this place? Mm -hmm. And you came, you guys just came in and ruined it all? Like, that was perfect, because now you know he's been watching. He's been listening. 
yeah. and then the whole thing happens and it's perfect and 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 let's just talk about the fight in general like and talking about uh aquila here doing her uh do it like one of my favorite shots and i again i don't remember the exact second it happens but it's when she fights daredevil before she jumps into the weapon cage she does this kick where she holds her kick in the air waiting for him to get up and then snaps it down on him oh hmm. my god oh i crave <laughs> I literally watched when I first saw that episode. I must have watched that fight scene about two or three more times because it is that is to me that is a Marvel comic moment that we've only seen so many times. Like especially in like you know all of like the uh, Infinity Saga, there are some solid comic book moments, and it's like like Civil War's got like at least a dozen of them. But that's where we this is the level we need to be at, people. And so the story kicks off so strong. And then I love like Kingpin's like, oh, I see you fought him. Like you're, you lasted a lot longer than anyone else has. Like, yes, yes. Hit me with more of that. Just keep that train going. I loved it. Yeah. That's uh, that was a beautiful surprise. Well done cameo. Um, and then she gets all hurt and she's all banged up. Um, mm. uh, but she, she goes back and does her thing. And then eventually we catch up. Past Hawkeye, we catch up to the present where Kingpin has been shot. She assumes he's dead and she goes off and now we're caught up and she has come to uh, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And she's got a bullet in her. She's just living that dangerous life. And she finds this, uh, she finds her, her old house and crashes there. And the first thing she does is get some dental floss to patch up her wound and I, mint. mint mint yes dental that's floss. the note i took i was like that is peppermint dental floss that is going to sting like a bastard yeah what are you doing but i guess that's all she had available a lot of stuff like that um yeah. so, and- so 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 when she goes back to the town um this is where i think is the best way to do kind of nowadays origin stories mm-hmm. is because she is now in an environment that educates you constantly of her backstory. It is all, all the relationships she talks to, everything is there. And it's not like, oh, we're going to tell you how she knows her cousin. It's not that. What it is, is like, she's here. This is her cousin. This is where their relationship is at currently. So there's a lot of that going on as she's in the town. What the origin story part of it is, is how the ancestry is involved. And they do some kind of really cool things they embed throughout the series but what i love about this way of doing an origin story is like hey this is the cousin cousin comes in he's like i haven't seen you in a while you know oh grandma's gonna be excited i can't wait to you know and he's like this super friendly guy and um uh i think it's uh, biscuits uh biscuits and he's like he's like yeah like oh it's so good to see you and then he becomes like the errand runner for her um I love it. And there are a lot of scenes I do enjoy when he's in it. He's a, he's a fun comic relief character, uh, kind of like the foggy of daredevil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved it. Uh, and, and again, it was perfect. Cause like, this is this character. This is where the relationship's at. Let's continue from here. And then the uncle is the key store, the kind of the secondary story here. Cause the uncle is the bridge between, um, you know, her, uh her relationship with kingpin but he also works for kingpin shipping so this is another thing i love to see in this environment is that how big is fist's influence in the world yeah i love that character the uncle yeah he was was like my second favorite character in the show he was so fun 
And mm-hmm. yeah, I was shocked to see that Fisk had a warehouse this far out in Oklahoma. So at first you think, oh, she's running away from from that world and just going back home. But no, she's just going after Fisk stuff, right? She's there because there's Fisk stuff there to get rid of. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I have a note that kind of is a perfect segue from this episode into the second episode because it applies to both of them. Yeah. And my note is, I want to meet somebody who looks at me the way Maya looks at her grandmother's pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> she, I was like, is this going to be a love story between Maya and the truck? She cannot take her eyes off that truck. The sec, like Biscuits pulls up, he's like, hey, I brought you food. And she's like, man, look at this flatbed. And she's like, <laughs> I was like, should we leave these two alone? What's going on with Maya and the truck? Yeah. Oh yeah, she loved that truck. And but but obviously that was the foreshadowing of what she was planning on doing. Now, this is where I think the story is kind of interesting. So both interesting and like there's a lot of potential that they could have done with this. And and I'm not I don't I don't not like it, but it's like I'll settle with that. Like I'll settle with the choice they made, but I love where it was going. So um what I love is the nickname they gave her, which is the King Killer. I love that. Yes. Oh, I was I was all for it. Um, but she loves the truck because, of course, she goes out to raid um, uh, Fiscus Shipping. And I love the story uh, because um, I love that she's sabotaging Fisk's shipping and all that stuff. And this guy's like, what are you doing? Like, oh, my God, like, you know, you're messing with this and there's going to be a big power vacuum, blah, 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 blah. And I love how she's like, oh, we need a queen, right? Because this is the world she knows. She knows the world of like, you know, leading a crime syndicate, essentially. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I but I love the sabotage the train scene. Oh my, or uh, sabotaging the armory through the train uh, thing. I love that. It was so fun to watch. That oh my train God. scene was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Something about it just felt very like, like a classic Spielbergian action scene. And Biscuits is trying to keep up in the the sexiest truck of all time. According yeah. to my, I, like it is, it's just that whole scene was just fun on the bun. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's funny too because he's like, I've never driven it off road before. Like the foreshad, the the way they use foreshadowing in this was really funny. Like, like he's like, I've never done. It. I, I need to be at it back home for dinner and all this stuff. <laughs> so. And then they go on this epic chase uh, for this train. And and who doesn't love a good train chase scene? I mean, I you know. always have fun with this. Uh, but I love that she's like, oh, tracker. And he's like, what do I need a tracker for? <laughs> it's just like, oh, uh, so fun. So good. And uh, I, the old, the, the opening, uh, sorry, hold on. Where's my note here? The opening of episode two, where we meet another ancestor mm-hmm. of Maya's. Um, I had a brain fart. Ryan, oh, did you? I forgot that the sport of lacrosse exists. I'm watching this play out and they're having this, this big sports thing and I was loving it. I'm like, oh, cool. Let's see what they're doing. What's, you know, this big cultural game they're playing. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, she's using her superpowers and that big guy comes out of the tent and I'm like, this is all great. I love this. And then afterwards, like I'm finished the episode and I, I'm going to sleep and I'm, the next morning I'm like, I wonder what that sport was. I want to look it up and find out more about it. 
And then I, I do a quick Google search and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. It's definitely a bit different than the lacrosse that I'm used to. It looks very hard because those sticks are tiny and so is that ball. So that takes a hell of a lot of skill. But I love that just how they threw in that giant quasi pyramid in the middle of North America to show just how old how long ago this is. This is still taking place way back in the day. And it's another one of her ancestors digging into her powers. And yeah, I love that flashback so much. Oh, I loved it as well. I, 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 again, I just love that all this like immersion into culture. It's just such a great way to do it. Um, and, and you know, it's funny. I actually knew it was lacrosse because I went on a field trip a long time ago as a kid and they're like, Oh, this is, you know, and it was exposure, uh, to indigenous culture. And they were showing that, uh, showing the evolution of lacrosse and and thank you know i gotta get props to that field trip person you know was like what am i ever gonna need to know this and then here we are today <laughs> so back like, then oh it was God, history is paid off <laughs> so they taught you about how like it used to be different with the little yeah. tiny sticks yeah they showed me the sticks and everything wow so are you a professional lacrosse player now no no God. you know how violent lacrosse is if it's anything like this episode, I can imagine. <laughs> if you've ever watched lacrosse today, oh my God, it is a violent, violent sport. And I'll tell you something, okay? There's there's men's lacrosse, which is violent. Then there's women's lacrosse, which is even more violent. And let me tell you, it is brutal. It is a very, very intense sport that is very physical. And yeah, it is, it's... Uh, takes a lot of skill i just i i appreciate it from a distance i would never <laughs> want to be in a game or a ring but you know i have to give them props and i'll tell you why because that game was to settle who is to stay in that territory that is how you yeah. do it people you know you play mm -hmm. out a game you do it through a game all right you don't need to do these epic battles we need yeah. to sort this out in sports you don't gotta hurt anybody just yeah. settle like that right just healthy competition that's the way to do it if Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin have a disagreement, get them in a room, put them in front of a, a cabinet for like Street Fighter 2 Turbo Arcade yeah. and just winner guess what he wants. That's there how my go. brother and I settle disputes all the time. We just got, got heated up and we're like, we're going to put this in Street Fighter. And then we what? That was the best way to settle disputes, man. Oh, my God. But that's how you do it. That was And that was a really cool thing. But, yeah, I love that. And what's interesting, too, so – um. So the uncle plays a kind of a fun narrative of like tying together her culture uh, or sorry, where she's from and her family and then the Fisk angle and really bridging the gap there. And I, I really appreciated that. And then the other part of it is that, um, yeah, the ancestor story. And what was really interesting was I love the one about the lawmakers. Um, I can't remember what they were called, but they i loved that story and the way it was portrayed it kind of reminded me um when they did the iron fist one they kind of showed the original iron fist and they did the black and white film mm -hmm. uh, but yeah I, oh my god i love it love that oh. that was the episode three one where it was like the old west yeah it was the yeah. old west yeah and, yeah and then she like wanted to be like a lawmaker like her dad and he's like, no. And then she ends up proving herself being like one of the best ones and having the best shot. I love and, and it. And it kind of adds into the layers of Echo's character. I, I just loved it. Uh, yeah, that was the way to do it. 
And it's more old-timey Marvel Powers stuff, which I like to see. I like to see that way back mm -hmm. in the day, there were people with powers, too. Yeah. Um, fun fact. So Echo's uncle, whose name, I believe, is uh, Black Crow. I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Black Crow, the guy who mm -hmm. owns the, the roller. So over here at the Bramley City Center Mall, right near where I live, they just opened, Ryan, a retro roller rink. Oh, my God. And I haven't seen it operating. I've seen, like, I, I peeked through the window and it was dark and everything, but it looks like it has the same aesthetic as Black Crow's place. So oh, amazing. When it opens, I'm going to go in there and be like, Whoa! I'm just going to run around screaming yeah. and saying, I love it in here. And they'll kick <laughs> me out. I will be yeah. escorted out by security, but it'll be worth it. His name was Henry Black Crow Lopez. Henry yeah. Black Crow Lopez. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's right, because she's Maya Lopez. Yeah. 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 But yeah, we have a roller rink here now. Oh, that's amazing. I used to live near one myself. Um, uh, it was called Roller Palace. It was, uh, it was a great place. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, oh, yeah. Anyways, great. And I like the fight. Okay, so the fight scene in the Roller Palace. So so Echo, uh, first of all, you could tell that the dude, when he texted uh, people, he's like, yeah, I found the king killer. I'll, I'll lock it in. Then we get the weird guy that runs the armory. Um, that actor, I love that actor, but man, he, his character was just so bizarre. Um, oh, the bald dude? Yeah, the bald dude. Uh, I spent like 45 minutes just trying to figure out what accent he had. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I, that's why I found him very bizarre. Um, <laughs> but, um, Okay, so so he was a weird one. So when they capture her, though, I really, oh my God. I loved how I love the situations they put um, they put uh, Maya in because you know they always talk about you know you know raising the stakes and all this stuff and you know I love she avoids her kind of sister slash cousin character uh, and so they kidnap her and uh, they they they're gonna you know send her off to these guys and so. Mm -hmm. I love the fight scene in the roller rink. It is so fun. I don't think they needed, uh, you know, Maya to have like build this, like essentially a fake gun and shoot. I didn't <laughs> think she needed that. I think it would have been cooler if she was all stealth and dagger and just like, you know, took people out hand to hand. Cause like that's her, that's how her character really shines. Um, and I, I love seeing that, but I guess you needed a reason to get her out of that room. But I, but it, talking about talking about characters, talking about raising the stakes for characters and putting them in situations. One thing I love about superhero shows is that you know one thing in acting they always talk about is raising the stakes, raising the stakes. And this character Maya Lopez avoids her sister like essentially at all costs while she's back in town. Yeah. Tells tells everyone not to like don't let her know I'm here. And what happens is she ends up finding out through biscuits, which is hilarious. Uh, and then she goes to the palace and then they're put in a room together while Maya's being taken, like essentially, which is really cool. That was a really good moment. Yes. Um, and not uh, only that, like what I loved about that was mm -hmm. the fact that, yeah, she's avoiding Bonnie. She's like, I don't want to talk to Bonnie. Don't tell her I'm here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then finally outside forces, you know, fate has thrown them into the same room together. Yeah. And obviously Bonnie has a lot to say. And maybe Maya has a lot to say too, but they're both held hostage. So both of them have their hands tied behind their back so they can't communicate. 
And oh I'm just yeah. Like, oh, this is so cool. There's, exactly. There's so many cool like angles of that, like so many layers to it, which is so awesome. So um, yeah, I absolutely love that as well. And then when she breaks out and takes them all down, I love that she comes through the wall. I'm a big <laughs> like, you know, ever since Spider-Man No Way Home, there is no excuse to do not do enough going through wall scenes. These superheroes are insanely strong. And so like let them be strong. Like when Willem Dafoe essentially power bombs um, <laughs> Spider-Man through the floor and he goes through an entire floor. Yes, these are super strong characters, people. We need more of this. So when Echo took the guy through the wall and came out through the wall, I was like, oh my God, yes. And I love that she took the arcade and used the guns as the whips. Oh my and God, was that ever cool? <laughs> yeah. Then, so anyways, that fight scene's amazing as well. Like yeah. the fight scenes in Echo are just like beyond amazing. Like whoever that choreographer is, keep them going. Just keep them going. And what I love about it is it's all master shots. They're all shots that are further out. They're further back and they're, and they don't cut away too early. Every fight scene is a full move and it lands. Usually if it, usually if an actor doesn't know how to fight or they're not well trained in fighting, what they'll do is they'll show the punch going and they'll cut to the reaction of the person getting the punch. Right. So you don't see the full movement. It's very disconnected. My That's what they would have to do with me because I cannot do that. I would be too afraid of hurting anybody. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, just film yeah. around me. But like, um, but 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 what's cool when 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 you really dedicate the time to doing like really good fight scenes and you get the performers up to a level where they can pull it off, um, you get some really cool fight scenes. But a good example of how not to do it is watch the first Born Identity. Matt Damon mm -hmm. is a very good actor, but he wasn't a good like physical performer in terms of fighting. And all his fight scenes are really awkward because they're very like sets up the move and then it's cut and then the guy gets knocked out, right? Like you just see the reaction of the guy getting yeah. hit. So you miss a lot of like the, the, the full punch movement and it's really gross. It's really gross. It's not like a great way to do a fight scene, but all Echo's fight scenes, they're further back where you can see all the action and you see all the movements and like the first fight scene, the first big fight scene, the first episode and, and that uh, fight scene in, in the roller rink is amazing. I, I wanted nothing but more of it. I was hoping that like the fight with Kingpin would have something that epic, but it didn't. It was like his Kingpin, like when he throws the ice cream guy into the, the, the garbage can, just beats the snot out of him. I was like, oh, man, I cannot wait for him and Echo to throw down. Like, let's go. Let's see this. And that's interesting, too, because it leads us to the moment where, you know, Kingpin, where she finally sees that he's alive. And that's a crazy scene. Like, he's just like the tension that Vincent brings in every scene of just like the, the how scary this man is. And, like, you never want to be on the other side of the table with this man. Like, you either want to be with him or you just don't want to be in the room. Like, you yeah. don't. Like, this is a scary dude. Um, but, yeah, like, so he comes in and, and, and we get the scene of the, the father-daughter, well, the father-uncle-niece kind of thing. Now, this is one of the small points that I would say work against this show, Ryan, is this whole idea of what happened to Kingpin here. Yeah, uh, like you all know, I am. You know, the more Kingpin, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Give yeah. me all the big Willie Fisk, 
I just, I'm so happy to see him here in full force, even though he wasn't wearing white as much as I would have wanted, but that's okay. You can save the white for when he fights Spider-Man. He asked for a white suit after the full beatdown of that poor ice cream guy. Yeah, he had the white suit for a bit, yeah. He didn't even ask for a new one, bro. He's like, give me a new, I need a new white suit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I'm always happy to see him. However, I, I am positive, you know, there... There will not be a point in the MCU where him having been shot in the eye is going to have any consequences. And Mm -hmm. I am of the mind, like, I don't like the idea of fake out deaths for tension. You know, basically what I'm trying to say is your intention was always to have Kingpin live great so don't shoot him in the face because now you have this ridiculous and i know you know we buy superpowers we buy all kinds of crazy things we buy gods and trolls and whatever but Mm -hmm. just shoot him in the chest like you know it's it's back to the old obi-wan thing if you want your character to live don't stab them through the gut with a lightsaber you can knock them out in a variety of more creative ways Echo could have shot him in the heart. He could have been wearing, like, whatever. There's plenty of ways you can believably say, like, yeah, man, he's Kingpin. He, he got rid, like, he, he got through that. He was in a coma, but he got through that. But in the eye, like, why? Just because they did it in the comics? Comics don't care about death. They've made that very clear. Comics treat death with utter disrespect. That's one of the main reasons why I can't get into comics as much. So, Find, I don't know, just find another more believable way, especially because this is a guy who at the end of the day does not have any superpowers. Mm-hmm. Why why do it, it with, in the eye? Like it, it really doesn't make sense to me. I agree. Um, I think the best way to get around it would have been if the bullet, like if he grabbed her arm before, uh, like as she was about to shoot, like is like, what I love about that moment is he's convinced that she may not shoot him and she's convinced she's going to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And there's that beautiful tension there of like, is she going to do it? And, and Isabella brought up a good point and, and she didn't mention this during her brief rant there, but there's a <laughs> lot, there is way too many moments for her to shoot him. And, and it really took away the illusion of power that Kingpin has over her. Cause like, he just come, keeps coming in like, oh, you're my niece. You're not going to shoot me. And like, like, there's way too many moments for her to get him. And I'm not convinced that she withheld enough restraint. to Like, this is a guy who killed her dad. And she gets so many opportunities to take him out. Uh, but I agree with you with the, the, shooting, the shooting in the eye. But I think what should have happened and, and it would have really transformed the relationship and the, the power that Kingpin has is that she was about to shoot him and he still was able to like get the gun out of the way. And then maybe the bullet like ricocheted and like, you know, maybe like scraped him a little bit, but like nothing to a point where it literally like bang and like, uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, like even, even reflecting on it, like the, 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 the gun, the, the being shot in the eye thing, like, yeah, I'm just so confused. I'm so confused about what kind of damage it did. And besides, like the the physical, besides how it looks on him, um, 
but yeah, I'm still confused about how, like, how it did, like, what it did to him. You know what I mean? Um, it's bizarre. It's, it's, it's bizarre, bizarre, yeah. And I hope, I hope they find a way to just clean it up and give him like his original look back. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, because like it's just gonna be weird him having the scar and like missing an eyebrow for like the entire rest of the his his time as Kingpin goes. You know what I mean? Like, I hope he, I hope he retains most of his look, and there's just like a small like scar on his eye, I guess. Um, but like, yeah, I just felt it was weird. Um, and then, so this is also where, like, you know, kind of as we get to the end here and wrap up Echo's story. Um, this is the other part that was weird for me was like, he brings it, brings her in. I love the scene where he talks about the hammer and, and talks about that. He had to make a difficult decision, but for him to say like, we're the same, it's not like he, he killed his dad and killed her dad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she had a great relationship with her dad. That was fine. Yeah. It's not, there is no point of contention there. It's, 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 and that's the weird part. It's like, almost like he was trying to make her say like, look, if you're going to kill me, look, I'm okay with that because that's, that's what made me the man I am today. And that's what they, I, I think that's what they were trying to do was that like, he's becoming, because she lost her dad, despite it being him that did it, he's like, I'm your dad now, right? Like, right. I'm, I, I know you see me as a father figure kind of thing. Um, but the problem is, and I think the major problem is here, uh, that like they kind of skipped a major part of Echo's comic story, which is like Kingpin like made her think Daredevil did it. And then when that failed, he would try to put it somewhere else. He'd like, oh, someone else did it. And then she would just got like sick of like chasing down and realized it was Kingpin the whole time. Right. But Kingpin took it far. Like Kingpin said Daredevil did it. And then she, uh, through like her trying to go after Daredevil, she ends up running into Matt and she starts dating Matt. And there's a whole story there. And, and Kingpin realizes that and then, you know, tries to get her closer to Matt. And then thus hoping that she realizes Daredevil and then like really goes after him kind of thing. Um, but that ends up backfiring. And then she realizes it's Kingpin leading up to the gun shooting in the face and... That's the that's the end of Kingpin. Um, but uh, I think because they started so strong with Hawkeye and her having that moment, um, it kind of made the conflict. It, it kind of stretched out this conflict between her and Kingpin in a weird way. And it, it gave it too much breath of room. And, and like I said, there was way too many moments for her to get the one up on him because she's so close to him. If she if she was like, look, I know it's you. I know you did it. Like, I need to stop you, right? And it's like, there wasn't enough of, like, I don't know. There, was, there wasn't enough, like, resistance on that. And, like, I, don't, I didn't believe that she could hold herself back to do it. That's, that's what I think was missing. I, I couldn't believe that. I wonder if there's something that the show didn't communicate where. I mm. wonder if, you know, maybe he trained her to do some fighting things while they were growing up. And maybe, be, you know... Because Kingpin can fight too. Maybe he's mm-hmm. always been able to overpower her. Yeah. And so she has that fear, like, I can't take him hand to hand. So, yeah. like, with the gun, I'm fine. But, you know, maybe she has that fear. But if so... That that I, that was actually the way I was looking to see the, that that's how it should have been done. Yeah. But, but, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, that that... Everything up until that last, last conflict. So the dinner is fun and whatever. They There's a good moment there. Um, 
and I thought it was funny. She poured out the wine. That was hilarious. But like the last scene where the big fight scene happens, she gets her family together. They're all going to help her um, and all this stuff. And uh, but that last fight scene, I get I and I love how the ancestor like everything comes together for her to be who she is and really embrace that. I'm all for that. I love that. I love that hero moment. When the hero self-actualizes and realizes what they can be, that's what Beautiful. I live for. Yeah. That's what I live for in every comic book story, people. That's how you do it. That's a modern storytelling right there. But I didn't like the the healing thing that she did to him because like it didn't resolve anything. I like it 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 was kind of like a Disney ending in the sense of like, I'm teaching you the power of love and you know, you need to forgive yourself and we need to stop all this cycle of, you know, getting one ups on each other or whatever, you know? And it's like, I don't know if that's the way you need to walk away strong. I don't know who made that creative decision. Maybe there's a message there that I'm not seeing. And I, 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 I do respect the choice that they made, but I don't feel like it was a way to beat the character. And I, and, and as if, if any, any writer, any writer outside of yourself, sir, is watching the show and is like, oh, I need to see how these guys are talking about it. Look, whenever I say beat the character, I don't mean you have to kill them. You have to prove that the character is better than that person. And this whole like teaching Kingpin love thing, I don't think that's the way to do it. That's not the way Kingpin's going to like be like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe I made some bad choices in my life. That's not how he's going to resolve it. No, no. She needs to prove, like you said, like if she always had to fight him hand to hand and she couldn't do it because it's him. It's like this, this figure in her life. And, and like, you know, aside from a gun, like she can't do it. And she actually physically was able to like best him and like prove she's strong that way. I would like something like that. Like I really would um but yeah i just the the whole healing thing i didn't feel it i didn't feel it i didn't feel like it's a great way to resolve this conflict between the two of them it did it didn't resolve the conflict between the two of them and i love how he walked away like what did you do uh but like it didn't i don't know why it like just made her like it you know what it felt like it kind of felt like the ghost rider uh penance there uh in the original ghost rider where he like would grab somebody and then you'd look through his eyes and he would make you feel the pain of all the innocence that you've like you've killed and like take li the lives you've taken. You you feel the pain amplified of all the lives you've taken and put back in you. So I don't know if that's what she did to him, but it but like I just I it didn't resolve the conflict. That's what I feel like. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna leave it as. I love the show all the show all the way up until that last conflict. And then I, I love the ancestors all coming in and her self-actualization. Loved all of that. But to stop the kingpin, I, I just didn't buy it. I did not buy it. I have a lot of thoughts on this, like the, the ending of Kingpin's story here. Um, mm -hmm. Let me roll it back a little bit first. The dinner. Yeah. The dinner, I felt, was teeing up something really, really special. And then it didn't deliver on that. Um, first of all, he, he comes in with that contact lens. And again, it's a great example of, I would rather spend probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on this thing, than learn ASL. Yeah. That's how much I don't really love you as much as I say I do. Right? Again, great way of showing what his true colors are, but they tee up this thing where he goes inside her house. Yeah. She pours out the wine and he's like, I brought dinner. 
And I felt like we were like getting prepped, Ryan, for like the opening scene of Inglorious Bastards with Hans Landa sitting at the table. Oh, and yeah. You, you know he's in control and he's having milk with them and he's talking about whatever and you know he's got an evil agenda. I felt like we were being teed up for that with Kingpin sitting down to break bread with his adopted niece and, you know, she would be sitting there and, and there would be this tension that you could cut with a knife where she's just like looking around, like, can I kill him with that? Can I kill him with that? Can he kill me with this? Right. And I was ready for that, man. I was so stoked to see that happen because what a great way to do an intense scene where nobody even has to throw a punch. Right. And then in a very, what I feel, a very unkingpin like way, he brings her food and then he leaves and he doesn't even eat. He's yeah. like, I brought us dinner. Let's have dinner together. Okay, here's the basket full of dinner. Okay, bye. And then he, <laughs> he just left her house. I, I mean, I know she's not exactly making him feel welcome, but when has that ever stopped Kingpin before, right? Like, that's that's the thing. You sit there and you eat and you're like, how's well, it going, like, right? Yeah, like like with his visit with uh, um, Ulrich, uh, Ben Ulrich. He wasn't mm-hmm. welcome there, but he sure made himself feel welcome. Yeah, right? Like there's there's such a powerful villain moment to be had there. And then he just dips, he just leaves the house and it fell so flat to me after that. I'm like, why did he say I brought us dinner? Yeah. Um, and then at, at the end of it all, in that final battle where, where she does she does a little thing to him, it the penance there is a great example. I was thinking of um, there's a book series, a fantasy book series uh, called Inheritance. They made a movie about it. Uh, the first book was uh, Aragon. They made a movie about Aragon. Yes. I don't know if you remember the guy yeah, who rides I the King Dragon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to spoil the ending. I've seen it. Mind. I've seen the movie. But like the ending of the whole thing. Of, like, oh, whole, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so if people have not read Inheritance, because the bad guy, he's, a, he's the king, he's an evil king, and he's been alive for hundreds of years, and he's the most powerful magician in the world. Because uh, basically the older you get, the more powerful you get. And he has managed to, like, protect himself from any kind of physical or magical attack because, you know, he's lived so long and he knows. So it's like the whole time, it's like, it's impossible to kill this guy. He's running the world forever and we can't get him. At the very end, um, he's he's got Aragon in his clutches and there's this big battle in his throne or whatever. And Aragon defeats him by casting a spell that is not an attack but it's a spell of, I forget how they word it, but he essentially, he makes the king feel all of the emotional trauma that his actions have made other people feel. And the king is over 100 years old. That's a lot of emotional trauma he's caused to a lot, you know, millions of people in the kingdom. So he does that, he casts that spell on the king. And because the king can only think in terms of people want to hurt me, he's shielded from attacks, but this is not an attack. So it gets through and it and it stopped and it basically makes him go crazy and it, he you know fries his brain whatever and he dies um and i thought that's what they were going for here and that's what it kind of reminded me of and i think it does do the job of like you said ryan maya showing i'm better than you yeah maybe not in a physical way but like these are my people and their powers in me now and we have been through so much you know killing and whatever and all this and all that i mean 
when it comes to indigenous people, they have felt that worse than any other like group of people of Absolutely. like just unnecessary violence. So I was like, okay, she's going the nonviolent route. That's really, really cool. I, I dig this. And the idea of her saying, that's how I'm better than you because you're a person who can only run around and hurt people to get what you want that that makes that parts of the story makes sense to me yes but I, mm. i'll agree with you up till that point but yes continue sorry continue. so i'm like i like how that that this is her her idea of stopping him but what i don't like is that it's it goes and it ends everything with this weird fizzle you could have had that exact same thing happen you could have had echo do this to kingpin and if done emotionally correctly on screen, we would have been like, yeah. like, woo, standing ovation. That was done so well. But the fact that Kingpin is just sitting there kind of angrily, he's like, what did you do? What did you do? And then he just kind of slinks off back to his car and goes home. That felt, that didn't feel like a victory. That didn't feel like Maya won. Yeah, it, it just kind of felt like Maya stopped. Yeah, and and maybe that's what they were going for. Is I'm not here to win a fight. I'm here to stop a fight. In which case, cool. But but it didn't communicate that. Like they, it did not communicate that. Was, no, you're, like that's the thing. It just left us. It left us with. It left us with something unresolved. Like it didn't. Like there's no end here. It just like it just stopped something. But there's no end. It's just like, you know, it's, um, you know, in a big battle scene, there's, you know, you have one army versus another and they're both duking it out and then something makes them stop. And then they look to what that something is. And then the story continues on. That's what happened, except we don't know what that piece is to continue on. Something made mm -hmm. them stop, but that's it. Like they stopped like, okay. Like, <laughs> Good, I guess, but you're right. The key, one key thing that helps the story hit all the way through is that the start of the series is Kingpin says it. You need to channel that anger. You need to put it out there, and that's how you're going to get what you want in this world. Boom. Ending is, no, Echo stops the anger, and she needs to build bridges. Mm -hmm. and, and she rediscovers herself, her culture, her family, ties it all together finds her history love all that love all that that's that's beautiful but to stop kingpin i don't i just didn't feel that i didn't feel any resolution or like that clapping moment like yeah like the pen and stare thing like i don't know i don't know what happened and yeah like you say he just drives off he just leaves yeah. like what does that mean like it's is he gonna leave the town alone i don't think so like no i don't think he is. it's a great way to give echo to give Maya rather a closing arc. It's a great way of her embracing her family and their roots and embracing yeah. the path of like, I'm not going to be violent anymore. Yeah. I don't want that anymore. I'm going back to what I was supposed to be, which is a happy, healthy person in this family of happy, healthy people. Yeah. And that's, that's beautiful. That's great. So like 10 out of 10 full marks for, for her arc, but they, they were just missing like a beat of, I don't know, you know, that house they're in, whatever, mm -hmm. all the fighting makes it, the rubble collapse on Kingpin and they, you know, that's how he gets away. Something yeah. instead of just like, what'd you do? Okay, bye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, like echo the character story arc. You're right. Check mark there. Beautifully mm -hmm. executed all the way through. Love it. Right. Uh, Kingpin story arc within this, the villain story arc. 
all there. Love it. Great stuff. But the conflict part, it's unresolved. There's the, there's no check mark here because like it nothing, it's just stopped. It just stopped. That's all I can say. Um, but speaking of, so let's talk, uh, let's talk about the villain story arc for a second there. So it ends with him on the plane waiting for Echo to join him or like waiting for, despite this whole healing thing, like he's still waiting for her to come on the plane. She doesn't show. Well, that's after uh, he he's waiting on the plane before, and then he freaks oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah, no, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody's sorry. He's on the plane after the battle. Yeah, sorry, I mixed that up. Yeah, he's on the plane after the battle, and he's like, okay, well, you know, I'm just I'm leaving, like whatever that means, mm-hmm. I'm leaving. And uh, and then they do this this segment about you know they need a candidate to be the mayor of New York, and this is perfect because this could set up the Thunderbolts. I think this will, and we talked about this actually in a very long time ago. When they, I think when they first announced the Thunderbolts, um, mm-hmm. we talked about how they can do Dark Avengers and do this whole thing. And the key to Dark Avengers was Norman Osborn becomes like essentially like the president or something like that. Um, but now I think Kingpin is going to be that character. He's yes. going to take over because, <laughs> I mean, they spell it out for you practically in that scene. They're like, we need somebody to really take a strong arm and really, you know, beat up these people and really take, oh, like, like we get it. Like there was a big yeah, I get it moment in that entire speech. And like you get it, like when they're like they could have literally just like, hey, we just need a really new aggressive candidate. And you could stop talking at that point because anything after that, like they might as well have just been like, Hey Wilson Fisk, can you send yeah. your resume? Like, cause it was like he's like, Yeah, we really need someone to really throw in their gloves roll up their sleeves and just beat the crap out of these people and give us a new aggressive edge and like someone new someone who's who's really seen some gritty things and it's like 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 we get it like that dialogue was hilarious (laughs) we really needed just a candidate here don even if that candidate is a bald crime lord (laughs) even if he's been shot in the eye and he's a bald crime lord named wilson fish we'll take him I, <laughs> like I loved it. Don't get me wrong. If you ended that end credit sequence on like, hey, like you know, we need a new aggressive candidate that you know really gets, you know, New York. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? All right, and that's that's perfect because if you watch Daredevil, it was literally Matt's version of New York, his his New York versus Kingpin's New York. They both were fighting for the direction of the city. And what the city needs. And all they needed to say in that end credit sequence was, hey, we need a new, bold, aggressive candidate who knows what the what New New York needs. And literally leave it at that. And then shot on Kingpin. Done. Mm-hmm. End credit sequence. Trailer for Daredevil Born Again. There you go. There it is. But no, you're like new aggressive candidate who's willing to roll up his sleeves, beat the snot out of people, and wear a white suit while doing it. <laughs> Let's go. Give me Wilson Fisk. Now, what I hope is that the next time we see Kingpin, um, the actions here, unlike the gunshot to the eye, the actions here are going to have more consequences for him. So, yeah. you know, Play the long game. Whatever Maya did to him, the Care Bear stare is going to have an effect down the road. Yeah. And he's going to be about to make a decision that hurts people, and maybe he stops and second guesses himself. 
because of what she did. And then that sets off a whole other chain of things. That would redeem this ending in a much more satisfying way. Even, you know, as clumsy as it was to get him out of that house and back into his SUV with just no repercussions, fine. But that would at least help, I think, soften that yeah. blow. And then it'd be like, okay, yeah, they're playing the long game, which I have the utmost respect for. Yep. I'm just going to chalk it up to, hey, if we look at the scoreboard here, my story, check mark. Beautiful. You know, Kingpin story, check mark. Boom, done. Great stuff. Conflict, no check mark there. Like, it's just because it's just like not resolved. But I loved everything else. Everything else about the show, amazing. Amazing. All that culture exposure, loved it. Mythology, loved it. All there, check marks all across the board. That last fight scene, the big, the big crescendo of the whole thing is just left with so much to to, to be desired for. And that made yeah. me go, and that's what that's unfortunately is where a lot of people's problems are coming in with that show. And yes, and it's really unfortunate because in the end, this is a great Marvel spotlight. As Kevin Feige said, it is comics reminiscent of Marvel Knights, which I'm mm, I love that he used that 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 vernacular, and um, and yeah, it's it's a great way to do new shows with characters. Don't give me like She Hulk season two or whatever. Give me a spotlight. Let me know what the character is. Now give me events that's going to tie that character all in with everything else. That's yeah. all I need. That's all I need at this point. I want those wrestling matches. Give me the WrestleManias of like, you know, Daredevil and Echo versus Kingpin, you know, Punisher and, uh, you know, Punisher versus Echo. Uh, all these things. That's what we need to see. That's what we want. We are tired of being, we are tired of someone explaining to us who the next mayor is and telling, essentially telling us every single detail aside from the name of the person and <laughs> telling them that they're going to be the next mayor. We don't need to know that. What we need is just give us the event and then tell us who's going to play in the event and then let us watch that wrestling match. I guarantee if we could have been able to see those two people uh, on the news at the in that final scene, they would have been winking at the camera excessively. <laughs> um, yeah. In terms of thematic storytelling, I think the people who made this show understood exactly what they wanted to say and they said it beautifully, which is, I, you have at the center of everything just Maya choosing between the two worlds yeah. of her life, right? The world of her family and the world of her family. Um, yeah, and uh, there's there's so many beautiful shorthand ways they used to really create a disparity between the two. Kingpin not learning sign as one of them, right? Uh, and I, I think one of my favorite examples was they beautifully illustrate the difference between Kingpin and the grandmother. Because uh, Kingpin's always saying, I love you, I care about you, come back to me. The grandmother spends the whole show saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And we know it's the opposite. We know who the good person is here, right? And they illustrate it so well with cookies. This Kingpin comes up, he comes rolling up to her house with his basket of dinner that he never eats. And he's like, do you still like this, this cookie place? Is it still your favorite? And he bought her designer, like super expensive Fifth Avenue cookies in like a nice box, whatever. Um, and when she goes to grandma's house and finally talks to grandma, 
grandma has a, first of all, grandma's like, I don't want to talk to you, but she invites her in and she has a full platter spread with cookies that she arranged like perfectly. It's an art form. You don't put out a, an art form cookie platter, Ryan, for a person unless you love that person, right? You can spend $80 on a box of Manhattan cookies like that if you're Wilson Fisk. That's not love. That's just like, here you go. Here's a gift. Come back to me. But that's love, that tray of cookies. And they showed, they made a point of showing. Grandma turns around with those cookies and is like, here, sit down. And I'm like, that's it. That's the difference. That's the the shorthand storytelling here at its finest. Um, so all those moments like that, they completely hit bullseyes every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's time for us to rate this show now. Mm-hmm. 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 How many infinity stones from zero to six, or maybe even a gauntlet, I don't know, are we given this show? I'm giving it a five. Five stones. Why five stones? But, right, again, I, I summarized it already, and I'll say it one more time to really just hit that scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Character character arc, there. Origin story, best to- like the best way to tell one, there. Um, unique experience in the whole thing, there. Uh, villain, there. Uh, cameos, there. All great stuff to make a great Marvel project and a great Marvel story. All there. The thing that really hurts it the most is the last final battle, and it should never... That's if you're gonna make a you're gonna make a mistake, that's not where to do it. This show suffered the Snyder problem, which is great mm-hmm. visuals, great storytelling, not the way to end it. I don't know if you saw Rebel Moon, but if you did, I don't think you'd be saying great storytelling right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking, I'm talking like early yeah. Snyder here. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. pre-Rebel Moon, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, um, I think uh, Watchmen. Watchmen, for yes. example. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great story, great story arc, uh, great characters, great storytelling. Ending wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Five Stones is a good, solid place. In fact, it's such a good, solid place. I also gave it five <laughs> stones. It's uh, a match. It, it has moments that kind of irked me. The, mm-hmm. the eye shooting really didn't need to happen. The dinner could have been so much better. That final resolution in that battle could have been so much better just from a technical standpoint like from an emotional standpoint it rocks with maya making that choice i love it um and i think one important thing that stands out to me that really makes me happy is when i hear news of hey that girl from hawkeye is getting a spin-off and in the spin-off after she shoots Fisk, she goes to Oklahoma and reconnects with her family in Oklahoma. Because I, I don't know, maybe I condition myself when it comes to streaming. Uh, I always condition myself to have like really low expectations. So I expected very little of the Kingpin main MCU storyline in this. I really yeah. did. I expected sort of the cheap, easy netflix show slash streaming show answer of the whole all five episodes i was literally expecting this ryan i was expecting all five episodes where she goes there and she's like so family 
what's new? And they're like, oh man, there's these bikers that have been messing with our water supply. Can you spend five episodes kicking them out? Sure. That's that's what I was thinking was going to happen. Just like some cheap thing that I don't care about where I'm like, just because I thought this character was awesome in Hawkeye doesn't mean I want to see her fight a biker gang that I don't care about for five episodes, yeah. right? But what we ended up with was continuing that storyline. And even though she tries to run from it, it comes to her. And I, I did not think we were going to get that much MCU lore built in there. So I'm really happy that we did and it wasn't just cheap, like spin-off-y material that yeah. we got. So five stones, baby. Five stones. I love it. Well, sir, any final thoughts on Echo or on Captain Power and the Guardians of the <laughs> Universe or whatever that show was called? Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Boom! A great name. And just yeah. watch that intro for the love of God because it's so good. um i expect to hear texted feedback about what that intro was like oh you will um and uh yeah great show spotlight's the way to go great format give me a mini series on a character and then let's focus on events we are way way past individual story arcs we need to start bringing these characters together make them interesting make these relationships interesting that first episode should be the north star of how you should do marvel projects from here on in um and yeah i look forward to look forward to seeing where we go from here i mean now we're on we're on a big hiatus for a mm-hmm. while so that well mcu is we're not <laughs> <laughs> we're not yes we i'm looking forward to this next uh project for us a uh, little side project here but yeah it's uh but in terms of marvel this is the way to go but take your time marvel Kevin, yeah. i'm glad to hear that now you have time to look over these projects by giving yourself this breathing room so uh yeah we need to get back on track people i need i need marvel to return to form and echo is a good start to good place to start need to work on that conflict resolution there but good place to start yeah and i'm i'm curious now to see i hope this isn't the last we've seen of echo yeah because i like her she's good um she and Alakwa Cox, like we said plays her so well i i tell all my acting students all the time my screen acting students that Every time you're on screen, particularly in a close-up, everything your face does is a big deal. Because when you're in a close-up, the slightest twitch tells the story, right? Mm. And Alakwa Cox does this amazing thing because she's always acting with her hands, for obvious reasons. So when her face joins the party, it becomes even more fun. Her hands will do all this stuff and be like, There's, it's time for a queen. And then she does an eyebrow thing or whatever. And I'm just like, that just raises the stakes to 11. It's great. So I hope we see her again. I don't know in what context. Maybe she'll show up in Daredevil. Maybe she'll show up in, I, I don't know, Thunderbolts, whatever. But I'm happy that uh, that she got this resolution. And if we don't see her again, it's a great end point for the character. I don't feel... I feel we should see her again. Uh, but I, you're right. You're not wrong. No. Mm-hmm. It, if this was her last project, which I hope it isn't. but I, I hope it isn't either. It would yeah. suck. But if it is her last thing in the MCU, it's... A, a fine place to end a character's story, yeah. considering what well, the journey we went on with her. Ryan, where can the people find you? Is it in Oklahoma? Are you going there as well? Get a <laughs> truck? Uh, although I want to check it out now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, you can find me on youtube.com forward slash expert zone. That's where you can find my day job. And uh, please support it by giving it a like and a subscribe. Your night job is ninja. 
My yes, my night my my night job is fighting ninjas. <laughs> did, did you watch that Shinobi Geddon video I told you about? No, I didn't. I still gotta watch it. All right, I'm gonna send you a link. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Andrew Fantasia, and on Amazon where you can buy my fantasy novel, We Were Wizards. Uh, I'm biased, but I think it's even better than the Aragon inheritance novels uh, that I mentioned earlier. And you can get the second We Were Wizards book on Amazon as well. They go together like peanut butter and something that goes with peanut butter because many exactly. things do. Yeah, exactly. You know what goes well together? Coffee and chili. I yeah. don't know why it does. Uh, but anyway, that has been Infinity Rewatch about Echo. Next time you see us, we will be starting our mutant agenda, as it were, with Infinity Rewatch X. We're going through all the X-Men movies in release order. Oh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, at the end of the month, the end of January, look for our first episode of that. X-Men, it's coming. Until then, everybody, please have... Oh, I should have learned to say this in sign language. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry, everybody. But in English and in ASL, please have a marvelous day. <laughs>